Welcome to Raiders of the Lost Podcast, the ultimate film and TV podcast. This is the weekly chat number 41. Let's talk about whatever we want. Hello, movie friends. Welcome back to the show. Hope you're having an excellent week so far. We're uh, going full steam ahead on this film project. It is done. It's, it's done, finished. Kid. It's in the can. And we sent it to the first two films festivals, festivals today. Uh, their deadlines were today, specifically like the final deadline. So we had to get them on uh, on the submission deadline. It, like we Woo. just made the cut. Woo. Woo. And then there, obviously there are so many film festivals. They all have different dates, different deadlines, this different submission dates. So it's just going to be varied over the next six months. We'll just be sending them out sporadically once submissions open up for here and there like Sundance is actually happening right now so for 2023 yeah, so but Sundance 20, isn't we're even, entering yeah. the 2024s yeah so we have to wait till the summer before we can even submit to a festival like Sundance and Tribeca is in March so I'm just glad that we made it in time for these two festivals which I'm very excited about hopefully fingers crossed we can find out by the summer if we get into it but it's nice to have that project done. It's like I always do that. I always think of that Frodo moment. Like, it's done. <laughs> That's what I felt like. Because even like the last week, it was just like a final stretch of a lot of editing. We did a lot of sound editing. We got the sound mix in and just putting every sound bit in that has been finally mixed over the raw audio. Just It's just menial. Takes a lot of time. It's just like sitting in front of the computer for a very long amount of time. It's really nice to just have it in the can, and to be able to be like, it's done. It's just a great feeling. Especially doing the underrepresented and appreciated art form of Foley, which is the audio you create for your film or project. In post-production, a lot of the sound effects you hear in film or TV is going to be made in post-production. Obviously, they're picking up with the microphone's dialogue for the most part. Yeah, you get some sounds here and there, but like usually if you hear car engines or doors footsteps. slamming footsteps zippers like we had to get some zippers you're hearing that created in post-production by artists who do that for a living which is really cool it's fun and it's something that people don't don't really know about it was really funny because you were just recording me running around the backyard for, for like we were like minutes. in the dirt i was like i was like here drag me <laughs> we got a lot of sound effects like, i'm not dragging you man it's pretty funny it was like at like nine o'clock at night because we didn't there's so many sounds happening in the neighborhood. It's just like a normal neighborhood. So we have to do it at night when it's much quieter. And we were just like recording all sorts of random sounds. And we tried a, a few different sound effects with uh, vegetables that we got at the grocery store. It didn't really sound quite right for what we were going for. But then we ended up, we got every sound we needed. And it, it really uh, makes every scene better. So I'm glad we got that. It's Don't ask how we got the gunshot sounds. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say we had to dig another hole. <laughs> <laughs> Juno's gone. Oh my God. <laughs> Jesus. Juno's not with us anymore. Wow, that's, it's for the art. That's messed up, Anthony. <laughs> that's messed up. I can't believe you can say that about Juno. Juno is alive and well, everybody. <laughs> These are jokes. He's, Anthony, wow, your true feelings towards your cat. No, I love him. He just he's he lives a spoiled life, so he's very he's actually he's very content for, in he's real life. Currently sleeping on yeah, my bed. Yeah. But yeah, I'm so excited that we're done with the movie. It's, it's nice, right? And hopefully we can get another one made this year and then do some more and we'll see what happens with Midnight Ruin and Festivals. We will always keep you all posted. When we hear back from festivals, it takes a couple months because they go through so many submissions, thousands upon thousands. So it'll take some time to hear back. But you'll all be the first people we tell as soon as we get news back. And eventually you will see the movie at some point. But like we've said, 
in six years. We can't screen it or else we lose eligibility unless it's for people who are part of the cast or crew. So cast and crew people would we're gonna hold a little screening. We'll do digital screenings with them as well. Yeah. Just just people who were part of that. Uh, that's that's accepted. That's okay. To yeah. Do. That's what festivals allow. So, but we'll keep you posted on everything. But in terms of the podcast, we have a lot of cool stuff coming for you this week. I cannot wait for people to tune in to tomorrow's episode on Pulp Fiction. That's one we've been saving for a long time, and we went almost three hours in depth breaking down one of our all-time favorite films. I can't wait for you all to tune into this. It was just a special episode to do. I just, when we were doing it, I felt terrific and happy. And it's one of my favorite movies to talk about and analyze and finally get a chance to really get into it, which we've dabbled in here and there on the podcast. Like we did the Tarantino spotlight back in 2020, but like to actually spend a significant amount of time just breaking this iconic movie down. It was such a blast. It's a beast of an episode. It's, it's really, savage. really cool. But um, after the film, after it was wrapped, and the last two two weeks, no, like the last week, I needed a reset. I needed to just like shut my brain off. I needed like a little mental vacation. So in my spare time last week, we started gaming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I started, I started playing Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which is a lot of fun. I'm really enjoying it. It's very, very big game. But it's nice to, I haven't played a game in eight years, maybe nine years. So it was, it's nice to just like, when you play a game, your mind is just empty. You're not thinking about anything. You're just focused on the game. To complete immersion and escapism, and it's something I really needed as a mental reset after like just the whole tumultuous, like emotional, mind draining production, post production, everything about the film just took a lot out of me, and I needed to just like not think about anything for a week. Y'all know we got that PS5 for Hogwarts Legacy, but we're dabbling in some other stuff to get ready for it, and we've always talked about how we've you know been interested in potentially getting back into gaming, but not you know, wanting to deal with the potential risks of, you know, maybe spending too much time on it. But I think if you find a really nice balance that I've learned with I'm playing The Last of Us, it's actually like really effective for setting up like a reward system. For me, whenever I play The Last of Us, I like make sure I get a lot of work done or I'll reward myself with like an hour of playing The Last of Us. And it's just a lot of fun. But you're right. It, it really is such an incredible way to just shut the brain off. It's almost therapeutic in a way. I remember like years ago, the last game game I played, I brought up on the show before was Batman Arkham Asylum. I used that to get out of a like my head out of a breakup that I had just had. <laughs> it was like the ultimate way to get out of like a funk of depression, which I found really effective and in, in, in worked really well and was, was helpful to me. And it's just been a lot of fun. Just like I, I play for like maybe an hour a night or an hour a day when I find time for The Last of Us. Sometimes I just play for like 30 minutes or sometimes it's an hour and a half. But I, I try to play like right now I'm at like four or five times a week. I'll play for like an hour of The Last of Us. And I'm I'm not super far into the game. I don't even think I've hit the halfway point, but I'm ahead of the TV show, which I'm really enjoying, like seeing how the differences are or being written into the story for the cinematic purposes for the show versus the changes they made from the game, but how different the game is. And it's a lot of fun to stay ahead of that game of the show while I'm playing the game. Yeah. And I think it, it could be fun. We were just talking about earlier today. It could be fun to actually do re- movie, video game related content on the podcast, whether it be reviews of video games and, uh, I think that could be really interesting to try and delve into and see what it's like. Two hundred billion dollar market. Whoa, that, that's what's projected in movies. That's what's projected for twenty twenty three. I believe two hundred bill. Holy crap, that's a lot. And but the thing is, you're gonna have to finish The Last of Us in a week, though. Uh, I know. Because guess what comes out in a week? I don't know if I can do it in a week. It's a big game. There's a lot of story. I guess. There's yeah. a lot. I'm. I'm. So you're gonna have to do both. Then you're gonna have to play Hogwarts Legacy and Last to, of Us. Because if I don't finish time. The Last of Us, it'll eat away at my brain. Yeah. But obviously, when you're Hog- gonna finish the story. Yeah, yeah, I'll fin I'll finish it. 
definitely before the, sh- the season ends on TV. Yeah, on we, we need Max. you for the podcast to actually finish it. In yeah, time. I'll finish it. I'll be, I'll be like whipping, like get back to work. But you fucking bet your ass as soon as Hogwarts gets into the fucking mailbox and, and I, I unwrap that, it's going in the console and I'm shut the fuck up, Andy, leave me alone. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You can watch me create my character. You would never talk to me like yeah, that. Yeah, no. but as soon as that comes in the mail, that's going in. I'm not gonna watch you do the first. Uh, Set the first initial two hours of the game because I want I don't want to spoil it for myself of Hogwarts because from what I saw I did a little research yesterday and they had a huge event where popular video game players went to like Warner Brothers to play the game for like two hours all kinds of content yeah. creators YouTube people mostly okay yeah and they hid uh, most of the first two hours of the setup of the story and your introductions to Hogwarts and all that. Like actually arriving at the council, so I don't want to watch you do that. So I'm not. I don't want to spoil it for myself. So I'm gonna. I'm gonna have let you play, however long you want for the first like few hours, and then then it's I'll gonna be take like, me that much time to make my character. Yeah, to be honest. yeah. <laughs> but I don't want to spoil it at all for myself. Like the initial uh, going into Hogwarts by watching it first. Yeah, I don't blame you. And yeah. honestly, when when I'm creating my character, I don't know if I want to try to make it exactly like me or like do something really cool. You can make him look like Henry Cavill. <laughs> <laughs> can I make his muscles bigger? This jawline is just not right. <laughs> you know what I found out about Cavill recently? What? He's got four brothers. He comes from a family of five boys. Oh, wow. And I, I found like a, there's like a, a, a photo of him I found online with him and his brothers. They all look pretty similar. One has like the jawline that he has. The other one's just like, yeah, they're, they're normal guys. But like Henry got like... The fucking gene package, like the he won the lottery <laughs> genetics wise. Not that his brothers aren't like attractive dudes. Yeah, but, how dare you, man? But like so his, ugly, his ugly, his brothers ugly. Is he's what a you're very saying. pretty man. He's a very pretty man. <laughs> there, there it is. But one of his brothers has that same jawline. Oh wow, good. But, for him. but it, I had no idea it came from. A, <laughs> <but his> one, <laughs> you're so excited. About, yeah, I like don't even know how to respond. I'm like, okay, his brothers. So the fuck what? No, but because like you're curious, like is there more than one of this kind of specimen on Earth? <laughs> you're curious. And and you're, don't like, throw me in. There. Like, is there is there four of these? Four other of these guys? <laughs> so you're like, which one is single? <laughs> Anyways, back to the character creator. <laughs> I think I'll make my character look as much like me as I can. Like that's my first instinct, but also it's like you can do whatever you want. You, you can like make it fun. You can have green hair. If you Maybe want. I'll make myself have like like. White hair, kind of like <laughs> what? Not like old man hair, but just like Malfoy. No, not Malfoy. That's that's blonde. That's pale blonde. But I mean like white, like uh, Grindelwald. Oh, okay. So I you want you want to look like Grindelwald? Yeah, I think right. that'd be cool. Yeah. Just like with the some... undercut, the fuck boy undercut. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Give yourself a mustache too. You can't. There's no facial hair. No, no facial hair. No. I guess because you're a kid. But I mean, it wouldn't be grown in yet. <laughs> there are 15 year olds who have full there beards. There are, yeah, there are definitely. I but feel the average 15 year old doesn't have facial hair. It's coming in on like the sideburns. That's about you it. A little peach bit fuzz. Of, the peach fuzz on the above the lip. <laughs> a couple of mouse. A couple you, of rat hairs. You think you're so cool? Like you grow out like the seven hairs that you have on your chin. You're like, yeah, I have a beard now. Or you're very embarrassed by it. I think at first you're proud, then you get embarrassed. I think I was. I think I. Maybe was embarrassed by it. I was proud. But of, I had sideburns. I was proud of the sideburns. I had sideburns. In That's middle, what came in yeah. first. <laughs> Goddamn side. They went down to the bottom of my ear. It's so weird. It's just like it, like a flick switches, and all of a sudden you have hair growing on your face. It's so odd. It is weird. It's yeah. a really weird experience. Then it's just obviously it's like nothing, and you're used to it. But especially, I feel like dudes who have super thick beards. That must be a weird experience because ours isn't very thick. We just have like it's okay, but like. Like, if you have a thick-ass beard, that must be so odd at first. Like, it's growing so, like, as thick as my head, 
the hair on my face is just coming in like weeds. Yeah, it's pretty funny if you, when you think when you think about it. But I, I mean, it would be funny if you could actually be like a fifteen year old with a beard in Hogwarts. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? <laughs> I think they they're trying to limit how how many ridiculous looks they can have on on YouTube floating around. <laughs> soul patch. <laughs> yeah, a fifteen year old is soul patch. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to playing it, and, and it looks like so much fun. And I'm really shocked at how well the music sounds uh, compared to what John Williams did. It sounds very like in tune with the music he created. And uh, I've listened to some of the music that was made for the for the game, and it's really fantastic. And I can't ju- I can't wait to just be walking around Hogwarts like exploring and not even doing quests but just like like what's over here what's over there it's insane they made i think it was like 20 or 30 hours of music for the game wow that's impressive and it sounds just like in the world of the first two specifically yeah. the two harry Potter movies uh source of stone and chamber of secrets because prisoner of azkaban is also excellent but j-dubs went very jazzy and kind of just experimental with kind of the sounds of the world but the first two are really kind of brothers in terms of how they sound the music and I think that the, the the goal of the music and composers of the game was to try to capture the feeling of those first two games, which I mean, those first two movies, which it sounds like they really just took, they nailed it, man. It sounds terrific. Cause, you nailed it, guys. I was watching some of the gameplays, but like the character creator, they have beautiful yeah. music in the background. Just it all fits in the Wizarding World for the first two f- movies. In my experience playing an RPG game uh, like Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Because uh, the other ones that we played earlier... Well, yours, that's more of an open world yeah, open RPG. Yeah, whereas the other Assassin's games were actually pretty small in scope, and it was ba- mainly just stealth and assassinating and stuff. So yeah, you're just doing missions. It wasn't more exploring, but I, I, it's just oh, kind of overwhelming how big the game is. But I, I love how uh, the games have infused new ways of entering different like menu screens, the, the operations of... The controls is just seem to be very simple, even though it's much more complex than it used to be. It's easy to navigate everything, and a lot of it just seems to be like, oh, that makes a lot of sense how they design it like that. And it looked like the gameplay style of Hogwarts Legacy looks pretty similar to uh, Assassin's Creed with uh, how you use the menu screens. I think that's kind of the norm now. Yeah, it seems to be the norm. Because, again, it's really impressive when you take such a long break from playing any kind of video game. And even when I we played Arkham Asylum, like... We weren't really gamers. I played games. I didn't every, even play. I watched you once play. Once in a while, yeah. like even I would say even since like 2010, 2011, I hadn't played video games regularly. But it's really crazy. It's a trip to like now get into games. Even though I'm playing The Last of Us, which is a remastered version of a game from when that came out 2013. 2013. So that's still kind of an old game. It's almost it's nine years old now. Ten years old. So this uh they remastered the one you're playing. Yeah. So okay. they just like changed the graphics up. They changed a few things Updated here and there, but it. it looks terrific. It still looked really great back then. But what they did with the the new animation, it, it looks so more so much more realistic. It's really incredible what they what they accomplished. And so I'm playing the remastered version. So it's still kind of like an old game, you could say. But watching you play some of Valhalla, I'm like this is so, so impressive. What yeah, I'm I'm very impressed with how immersive it is with the design of the landscapes, the environments, the the realistic weather patterns, uh, the landscapes that they've built. Like I'm, one minute I'm climbing a mountain on Norway in an Arctic environment, and there's like a beautiful sunset in the background pouring through the clouds and i'm like what the fuck is this is crazy and then <laughs> and then i'm running through like the the rolling hills of england with uh r- green and yellow leaves on trees and at fall time with like a mist in the morning and it's just like this it's insane the amount of detail and craftsmanship that goes into the creation of these games and the full-scale immersion of the environments it's it's very impressive and 
I, every time I play the game, I'm like, so many people put a lot of care and work into this and crafted something that is just so special and immersive and it it just it's it's amazing that it's just made out of code it's just shocking how 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 far they've come just from 10 years ago with with gaming and i just find myself constantly just in awe of what they've crafted it's really impressive that you know in i'm i'm pretty excited to get into more games going forward but again, it's really about finding that balance of not li- like playing. I feel like too much, yeah. And in, in, in trying to find that work-life balance of being able to get your work done as well as playing at the same time and getting everything else in your life done. But I think if you find that medium, it's a really enjoyable experience for sure. Yeah, I'm I'm enjoying it, and I, I think I might have trouble with that balance when Hogwarts comes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I already marked my calendar. We'll, we'll be fighting. Go, hey, come on, you've been playing long no, enough. We, It'll be like when we were kids. No, we still got a business to run. So yeah, somebody's yeah, gonna yeah, you yeah. go do the work. Yeah, you go do that. I got this. Yeah, but it's nice because. Over the over the past month, all over the past two months, like basically all my free time has gone into the short film, mm-hmm. whether it be pre production, production, or post production. Just all of my mental energy, all of all of my free mental space was just geared towards that in some way. So it's nice to be able to not focus on that and to have that behind me. And you know, I'm just gonna game for a little bit, and I'm working on a few more writing projects and ideas, but. Uh, with writing, I never just go right into something with an idea. I have to. I need. I spend a lot of time, weeks, sometimes months, just trying to come up with little bits of story before I dive into it. I, I have a Google Doc with like tons of just log lines and just like two sentences of synopsis, and then I make their own Google Docs, and then I just slowly add to each one until I feel. I'll you you know when it's ready for to begin writing. So it's, I don't just jump right into the next thing, but I'm I'm always trying to work the next thing out sometimes i'll be like oh this is definitely the next thing i'm gonna write then i can't really quite figure out the story and then i'll move on to one that just kind of comes by surprise i'm like oh it just kind of figured itself out and that makes total sense and i'll move on to that one so it's just like i'm in that phase of just finishing something and now trying to figure out what my next one's gonna be true and i i do you like figure out an entire outline of a story or do you go right into like I have an idea let me just get right into writing characters and dialogue because I showed you a short that I wrote last week and we had a great little meeting about it so I can't wait to start rewriting that and I you liked my notes yeah they, they helped so much and I I started basically I outlined the whole thing just in single line to action basically of things that happens from start to finish my goal was to finish the entire outline of the story and then get into the script writing. Do you go right into kind of script writing and dialogue first, or do you do, you do just like an outline like that? It depends uh, from from script to script. Now I'm not the I don't think I'm the best writer in the world, but one thing that I do feel proud of is I've written over 20 screenplays, like finished them. Most of them are ass, but that's hard at least, to do. At least they're done, and they're even the, finishing ones. Yeah, tough. but in their feature length, like some of them are 150 pages, 120 pages, like they're done. Um, I think I have five or six really solid ones that could be really good projects. But that being said, I, I do have a lot of experience with writing, even though people might not know that about me. I've written a ton of shit, and I've even written a couple of novels too. Um, but the thing with writing a story is it's hard. It's you each, each project is different with the approach of it. Sometimes I'm very detail-oriented with the outlines and – but then sometimes I kind of just, I've gotten to this thing where when I first started writing, I would be super detailed, make a ton of like post-it notes or index cards or organize everything. 
every single beat of the film, every single character start to finish before I even started writing. But now, because I think I've done it so much, I have this ability to keep it all in my head in a lot of ways where I don't need to write everything down, but I can, I kind of have like a really great mental memory of the story that I'm thinking of. As long as you know where it's going and exactly. where it's going to end. So nowadays, I, I always outline in some way, but I'm not like outlining as rigidly as I used to. And it's not, I'm not as strict with the structure because from my experience, things always take a turn from when you originally planned it. And you might have spent a lot of time on something. Oh, this is definitely what I'm going to write. And then you're just like, that actually doesn't work. And then, and then oftentimes once you get going and the story feels good and, and you feel good about it, it kind of just in a way takes a life of its own and will kind of direct you on where it needs to go based upon the strength of what you've already written. It might be, and oftentimes when you're writing, you'll come up with more ideas while you're in the process of it. So I think it's important to open yourself up to not being so strict about what the outline of the story is before you get into it. Right now, I, I think it, my best process is my outline is like I generally have an idea of how the movie will end, but I always have to have a good starting point. The first 20 minutes or 20 pages or so need to be pretty well formulated and you need to have a good base of characters and then you can build off of that. But the story structure, I mainly go with I'll come up with, I'll have an idea for a story and I'll have like five or six really cool scenes. And it's kind of like the uh, structure of like, say like, like a Mission Impossible movie where you have five major stunt sequences, which are the highlights of the film, but then you're filling in the gaps between that. So it's kind of like that where you come up with like several really key scenes that really propel the story forward. But then filling that in is kind of just like left in the, op left into the creative creativity of writing and letting it work itself out in a lot of ways and sometimes you don't follow that original trajectory but I like to have a base of like highlight scenes key scenes that are really engaging really cool and can really um, move the story forward very impactful moments of the story major beats but then you just fill in the rest while you're writing yeah I like that process I always find that I think it's the hardest thing to do is even if it's not a great idea and or even if you do love it, the hardest thing to do is to finish it. I think for a lot of people in in person, it's hard to it's hard to finish an idea and finish it up and, and just put the final period at the end and cut to black. You know, it fade to black. It's it's tough to finish that entire process mentally as well as I think that might be harder than coming up with an idea. Ideas, you're kind of just gotta find inspiration. It just comes clicks to you like that. Like the one I came up with that I showed you, I got that maybe. It's a horror movie that I, I got the idea maybe three or four weeks ago. I can't remember where I was, but it just started where I got that idea and I wrote it down as like a couple sentences on my notes on my iPhone. And then I, I just kind of started working the story out and figuring it out. And then it's it's really interesting how it just blossoms into whether it's good or bad blossom because it could be a poisonous plant or it could be something beautiful <laughs> like a rose. And it blossoms into characters and situations and dialogue. And it's always just about trying to finish and trying to get to that end line. But also, it's really important and tough to accept criticism of an idea you think is incredible because <laughs> when <laughs> you, you first to. write something, you think it's awesome. Yeah, you think it's done. You're like, it's finished. I don't have to write another draft of this. I don't have to write a second, third, fourth, fifth draft. I don't have to show it to anybody until it's done. 
And then I, I think it's important that as soon as you write something, you show it to somebody ASAP because you don't want to get, you don't want to fall too in love with the ideas you've come up with in the dialogue you've come up with in the situations to the point where after four or five rewrites and you think it's perfect that someone offers a, a, a suggestion or opinion, you kind of get offended by it because you think it's fine because you've convinced yourself it is. And I think it's important to accept criticism and be open to anything because at the end of the day, if you're showing it to someone there and you want criticism from them or you want them to actually analyze it and give their opinion, you want that because it's the only, it'll help your script no matter what. So like when you gave me my, your notes and your suggestions, I was like, fuck yeah, that's actually a really good idea. Let's go. <laughs> but some people it's tough yeah, yeah. to do that. If you fall in love with your story too much you get too stuck on it, you know. You know what I mean. You have to just be open and willing to share it early. It's. I think that's a sense um, that's evidence of stubbornness and arrogance, and uh, in terms of thinking I know what's best. It's mine, and like nobody will tell me different. But also like an insecurity of not wanting uh, to face criticism, and that's something you you just have to open yourself up to and be like, you know what, whatever. I mean, the first draft is always shit, no matter what. Even if the idea is cool, yeah, and it's all about rewriting, rewriting, and rewriting, and redoing it. The first, but I never have a problem finishing. That's but what she said, <laughs> <laughs> got him. <laughs> but that's because I really enjoy doing it, and I think that's the most important that's thing. What she said, <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to have a grown-up conversation here. <laughs> it's because I really enjoy doing it, and when I'm and when I feel good about a script, I'm like in it and like it's it, I find it to be probably the most fun thing to do for me is if when I'm really into it and I, I'll just kick I'll just sit back and just go right dive into it sometimes I, I can write like very fast because I'm like so invested in in like I'm just like very excited and it's almost that, entertaining at a point yeah it's and like I've, I get myself amped up sometimes during like high intensity scenes or get I, I'll feel the sadness of like tragic scenes I get very invested in it and I think that's what really lets me have the ability to to finish a story, good or bad. Doesn't like I'm just able to finish it just because enjoying it is probably the most important thing to know if you're a writer or not. Is do you love doing it? And some people just it's a struggle for them. And even even I have the struggles too sometimes. But it's more of like not some. I don't think writer's block is a real thing, but more of like you know just trying to figure it out. Or if you're stuck in some way, you know, it can be frustrating to be like, oh, how do I get out of this? Or how do I figure this hole out? And also you're always battling uh, the self-consciousness of, is this gun? Is this any good? Is anybody going to like this? Am I wasting my time? So you're always fighting those demons too. But if you like, if you like what you're doing, then that will give you the invigorating energy to just finish through to the end. And that's what I found. You have to really be passionate about it. Yeah, I mean, trying to create something like that, whether it's whether you're working in TV or or film or writing or whatever, it's not it's not easy. It's and not easy. No, it's, it's not tough. Easy. You can maybe create an ulcer over it, but if you love it, you love it, and that's how you get through it. You have to, and you have to be comfortable being alone for long periods of time, and being in like like solitude for long periods of time with no stimulation besides no maybe stimulation. background music to help you work yeah i use music but i don't have my phone near me i i'll listen to like ambient music versus like man of steel or something usually so like i'll find like like i like ambient tracks 
on YouTube, which are great of like movies that I love or like if it fits the the tone of something that I'm working on, I'll get the ambient tracks because it's like you're not getting too much stimulation from thematic elements of a song to get you excited or amped up, whether the song is going up and down from, you know, uh, that part of the movie. But it just kind of creates a mood for me. I, I make playlists for each uh, story based upon the style of a film or the period setting. Like I'm working on one set in the 50s, and so I listen to 50s music, 60s music, 40s music when I write that. Um, I wrote a horror script, so I I, list, I put a p- compilation of like really great horror scores. Um, I, it depends on the from story to story. I make their own playlists that, and it can be either movie music scores made by composers, or it can be like playlists of songs that will be like, uh, what is the t- style and tone, and also a spirit setting of the film. And so I'll listen to that. Like I wrote uh, a a gothic horror film it's set in the 1600s, and I listened to a lot of great scores by composers in with about films set in those similar kinds of periods with similar kind of styles of film, and that helps me really get into the headspace of what I'm crafting, and what it really helps with character writing too. Like sometimes I'll make playlists of like what does this character listen to. And that helps with character creation for sure. But what I so one thing I do that's a lot of prep. It's not so much the outline, but I do character bios, and I'll I'll write one or two pages of a character's history, what they like, what they don't like, things they do, um, and things from their past that shape them into the person they are. What kind of clothes they wear, what kind of music they listen to, what their job is, where they went to school, what their childhood was like. And all these little details, they seem they're not involved in the in the screenplay, uh, and they don't really have anything to do, do with the plot. But it informs the character when you're writing it so much, where it'll change how they'll they'll just begin speaking on their own, and you'll be like, oh, that's definitely what that person will say. And it really helps you separate character from character and give them each a different voice. And it really helps inform behavior and being able to write behavior by writing character bios. Because you and you come up with so much more character detail. I used to just be like, "Oh, I need a cool name," and like it's there, and they have a job. And that would be it. Name, job, what they look like, and that's it. But now I have I have a, hitch, a history of a character, and that makes writing them a lot more easy, a lot, a lot easier, and more fulfilling too. No, oh, that sounds awesome. Sounds really cool. Thanks, man. Can't wait to see what you're working on next. I get a well, actually, right now I get to write the feature script of Midnight Ruin. Yeah, we got you. Got to get. That I came out. up with some cool ideas. Can't wait to to read it and then work through it with you. It's gonna be exciting because if all goes well with the short, and then hopefully we can make a feature out of Midnight Ruin. That would be really Ooh, cool. Yeah. Because the way the movie ends, it's not exactly the ending of the story for oh, what the feature. you have of the feature. It's yeah. kind of like a halfway point, which is really exciting. So we can't wait for people to start seeing it. Obviously, the cast and crew first. And then eventually, eventually everybody will be able to eventually. see it. Eventually. Eventually. Should be really cool. Yeah. I can't wait. I mean, it's it's what we're here for. It's what we moved to LA for. Podcast is amazing. It's given us the opportunity to start producing stuff on our own, which is really exciting. Hopefully, we can do another one this year. I think we can for short film and then like start getting that into festivals I think I for can. 2025. I think I can. Um, but I, I think it's just... This is this is the goal in life, and it would be so cool to be able to make movies and do the podcast at the same time. Imagine if we we have we're like well known filmmakers, and then we can have like cool 
actors and that would be directors sick. on the podcast. That would be might awesome. Might take a little time. Might take a little time. That would we'll, be, be sick. We'll get there. Give us like five years. Give yeah. us five years that we'll have Chrissy Nolan on here. <laughs> I don't know about that. We'll yeah, see. Yeah, probably would never. We'll see. But yeah, that's the goal. That's the, that's the dream. Really excited about it. Yeah, I'm excited about it too. What else you got going on this week, man? What this, else is happening? This week? Um, I'm just gonna go for a jog today, a jog. Look at you jogging! I gave yeah. him a pair of my old running shoes, and look at him go! Look I'm, at you go! I think they're too small for me, though. The Brooks? Yeah, they're pretty tight they're on my ten toes. And a half. They're tight on my toes. Really? Yeah, they like crush my toes. Hmm. Well, I got I another. Think, I, got I think another I have pair. bigger feet than you. Maybe I got another pair. You can try. Yeah, can I try another pair? Because I I just wore them yes yesterday. Just um out. I went. To, I wore them to the gym. And I I kept them loose on the on the strings, but they still were just like crushing my toes. Wow, those are ten and a halfs too. Yeah, I guess I got big feet well, compared to you. Well, not not big. I think like, just my, slightly, <laughs> just slightly bigger. Just a half and half yeah. a size bigger. Yeah, because they were really uncomfortable. Honestly. Well, I have another pair of shoes I have too that were probably a little looser than that. So I'll let you try those. Thanks, man. Because different brands, they're all, like the thing with shoes is. You're not always set on if you're a ten and a half or a ten. It depends on the brand for me. Well, yeah, and same thing with clothes. Style, style of shoe as well. Yeah. So let me. I'll give you another old pair because I I always save like pairs of running shoes just in case. Yeah. Um, I got another pair that I'll let you try on. They're also ten and a half, so we'll see. Oh my god, thank you. We'll see, man. Yeah, I'll try them on right after this. Because these right now that I'm wearing these Asics, these are also ten and a half. I'm usually a ten and a half. That's my size. Yeah, me too. So I and I'm, I'm telling you, I put them on. And like they, they were cutting my, off my circulation wow. when, I was, when I was driving in the gym. I could I could feel my feet getting cold. I wonder if that you know? here, try this one on right here. This is the left one. Left? Because that's a ten and a half. Maybe maybe I just wore those shoes down somewhere. Like how do those feel? Feels better. Yeah. I but also maybe, like there was no I had no space at the front of my toes maybe, at all. Maybe those brooks I just I shrunk them from running so much. These feel They did get wet multiple times, those brooks. These feel much better. So these I think are that, great. that's probably what it is because the the brooks I, I've worn in the rain multiple the ones that I gave you, I've worn them in the rain multiple times. And I think one of the reasons why Jim runs no matter what the weather is. Ain't gonna stop me. But like I, every time shoes get wet and you and they dry, or if you dry them, they yeah. do shrink a little bit. Because I, I remember I've blow drying hair dr- blown drying them before. From running in the rain, so that's probably what it is. That, that makes sense because I, I'm telling you, I had no, I didn't even have space in front of my toes to the tip of the shoe, like nothing. I'll give you another pair, bro. Thanks, man. I got another one in there. Somewhere. Give me those hundred fifty dollars shoes. <laughs> that's why I never throw them out. I'm like, I might need them for a hike or something. Because <laughs> once you put like 300, 400 miles on shoes, you gotta get new ones. They're like tires, basically. No basically. But I, I do need new shoes because my, I've worn the tread out of all my shoes. These are these are Asics. I've never worn them before for running shoes, but the the person at their running store recommended them because they didn't have the Brooks that I wanted. Did they measure like your walking stride and all that stuff? So the first time I went into a running store was like the third time I'd been buying running shoes, and I've been running for like maybe a year, and I was so excited to like oh I'm, like this is a store in LA, and they like take your stride, they measure like where you put the the pressure of your feet in terms of like where the weight distribution is on each foot. Yeah, so they can kind of pinpoint like what kind of shoe is best for the way you walk the way you run um and so i was like so excited to go through this experience and when i went to go do it this guy was just trying to get me a pair of shoes and get out asap because like he didn't care oh i was like oh that's kind of rude you, aw, i was like can i bad. he's like what, what do you need i'm like well i would love to do that that walk thing the, the he's like really he's, he's like it's over there just go use it and then what the hell yeah because he i've i went to a store with you um a few months ago and they they seemed great that woman was the same yeah. store that woman was excellent yeah she's like how can i help 
help you. She like wanted me to do it. I was like, I'm not even buying shoes here. Sorry. <laughs> I'm just here with him. So that guy ruined the experience for me. What it was like when of- I got my first tattoo, the guy was like, what do you want? Like, I don't, Oh my God. Yeah, yeah, whatever. You're right. like, this is my first one. He's like, I, I don't to, give a fuck. I, I like walked in all giddy. I'm like, this is going to be an amazing experience. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. Poor guy. And he never got a tattoo again. I'll probably get another one someday. Oh yeah, I'm sure you will. I just got to figure out exactly what I want. It's just a face tattoo. A face yeah. on my oh on my face dripping uh, knife drip. blood drip knife. Let's go, man. <laughs> it's the norm now, right? That's <laughs> the norm. But yeah, I, I I started jogging now. I'm not. I'm never gonna be a long distance runner. What's your uh, distance that you're doing? Or you just do like intervals? Like jogging? I just do intervals. But today I'm gonna run to. I'll see if I can make it to Occidental College oh, without stopping, all right. except for like a red light or something. That's a, so. You, if you make it to Oxy in terms of like where the like that stop sign where is, the, with entrance the first is entrance, two miles. No, no, that's probably one point one miles okay. to get to that first driveway at that. Oh, stop the first sign. one. Gotcha, gotcha. So yeah. when you get, because you walk pretty, you, that road leads pretty far around. That's one of my yeah. road. That's one of my routes. That's my walking. Because I, I run up that hill, so it's it's point eight five to get to. You know that weird fork in the road when you're going in that direction. On the other side of York Boulevard, mm-hmm. and there's that that it's you walk you're driving and then you can take a left or go right to Oxy. It's a stop sign. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. that's point eight five miles. Yeah, zero point eight five miles. Okay. So then just it'd probably be exactly a mile to run to that first entrance of Oxy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know, like we'll see. I know distance is pretty well around we'll here. We'll see if I can do it. You can do it, man. Yeah, I can do it. Yeah. I did it last time. I did it. You got it, yeah, but then the walk back was. Do you a, go up the was, hills on the other side of York, or do you stay on York? I go all the way up that street that leads up to Oxy. I, I go all the way up that road up to the hill. But, no, but the, when you cross York Boulevard, uh-huh. when do you take a left? I take a, I take a left on the second street. Same. Yeah, because so, the first one you get a it doesn't lead straight to, so I take the second left. That's where I take my left, and then that's exactly yeah. at the end of that street is the point eight five. Yeah. Sorry, oh. no one knows what we're talking about. But. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's point eight five. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Because that, that entire walk that I do is four miles, mm-hmm. the entire thing, because I keep going further. I won't run that far, but yeah, I'll run I'll run as far as I can. You got it, bro. Yeah, do you run it. back or do you walk? Walk back. <laughs> last time I last time I walked back and I was like, I can I think I can run some more. And I started running and immediately my legs were like, stop running. <laughs> Just do intervals. Just go, run for like 0.15 miles, walk yeah, yeah, for yeah. 0.5. Yeah. 0.05, run for one point. Yeah, maybe I'll do that. That's right. So run, yeah. So a fifteenth of a mile, or I mean, one point zero point one five. Mm-hmm. Run, walk for point zero five, then run point one five, walk point zero five. That's that's a good. Inter- I won't be that specific. But that's I'll, a, yeah. I'll, I'll go. I'll just sorry. Play, I I'll play it by ear. I run with the Garmin watch, yeah. so I'm always like, all right, all right. I gotta hit the exact numbers. <laughs> Garmin, Garmin watch? Garmin. Like the GPS? Yeah. Oh, cool. That's how I always know my pacing and how far oh, I've gone. That's, that's how I know that's exactly the distance, the, how, cool. how far that way that is. You know that company went into intelligence for military and I'm stuff? I'm sure they did. They're yeah, pretty, and they also got some satellites and in space. flight and flight, the uh, aerial uh, aeroplane industry, aero, aerial industry, whatever it's called. Aeroplane? Well, yeah, all, all aerial. Like they, they are the map GPS makers for all flight. Um, machine flight machine. That's like, really cool. Yeah, like they, they're just like that's where they moved into after their GPSs kind of became obsolete because cars and phones had them. So then they moved into that realm. So they're actually probably more successful than ever. Probably. 
working for the military. Yeah. Those, con- those government contracts. Those but, pay. Yeah. But also like airlines. Like yeah. they do all the maps for them. That's pretty cool. Yeah, all the GPS for them. You got some satellites up in space running yeah. around. I'm sure they got a bunch. Yeah. Moving, what, are they, what are they moved? Like 15,000 miles per hour up there? Very fast. Very, very fast. Very fast. <laughs> but it's also very far away in huge space. That's why... Like I love Gravity, that movie, but it's scientifically very inaccurate. In she finds of, satellites in every terms two of minutes. how close yeah. satellites are from each other because Earth is huge. That's one of the things I always I always bring up with people. It's like you don't understand how big the Earth actually is. It's massive, and then when you're several many miles above the surface of Earth, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So there's so much space. So it's like it'd be the same thing as like being on a boat in the middle of the ocean. And then, like, running in, and like, we both, I leave from the West Coast, you leave from the East Coast, and like, bumping into each other. Within a minute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, I see Jim. <laughs> like, it's like that. <laughs> well, yeah, because I, I think there's what, like, 15 or 20,000 satellites in space, or maybe more than that. Maybe, maybe less. That actually seems like a lot, but it's, bit, it's moving that fast. Things, the debris and everything. Yeah, they go very fast. How many, hold on, let me check. How many satellites are in space? I think they're like 20,000. It feels like it's more like a thousand. How many satellites are in space? So there is 8,261 individual satellites orbiting the Earth. Wow, it's a lot. An increase of 11% from 2021. Damn. And there, it's going to be more and, and so more. So by the end of January 2022, there were 12,000 objects launched into space. Yeah, it's going to be more and more. It's wild, man. Yeah, it's become, I mean, such a big industry for... Like SpaceX makes all of its money by launching sp- satellites for other companies. Well, not all their money. But well, I mean, a bunch of, them. of money. Yeah, a bunch of money. Satellites, man. Yeah. Plastics. All right, that wraps, that wraps weekly chat number 41. Again, stay tuned for tomorrow, Pulp Fiction. You're not going to want to miss this. It's three hours. It should help. It should fill up the entirety of your drive to work and drive home, your entire workout, wherever you're listening and watching. We really hope you enjoy it. It's one of our favorites we've ever done. Such a blast to talk about finally. So be sure you don't miss that. Don't be a square. Tune in whenever you can this week or weekend. Yeah, don't be a square. And I know this man should love it, (laughs) Daddy-O. All right, take care, everybody. Hope you have a great rest of your week. See you next time. Raiders of the Lost Podcast is a Mirror Image production. Sound mixing done by Jacob Kosler. Opening music by Chase Jackson.